There is a passage of scripture this morning that I want to direct your attention to. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have actually, not too long ago, this was one of the verses of scripture that I kind of highlighted in a message that I spoke. Some of you will say, well, you're repeating yourself, Pastor, and maybe I am. I don't know. But then again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I want to come back to the scripture. We actually read it, Mariela read it yesterday morning at the table, and I said, that's it. I was going in a different direction for today, and I was like, nope, this is it. This is it. And it was, it was done as soon as she read these scriptures, especially this one verse that we'll get to in just a moment. And uh, I always took, took great pleasure listening. I don't know if any of you remember. Oh, my goodness, his name is now going to escape me, isn't it? Oh, see, now I don't even remember his name. Oh, Lord Jesus. I heard him at Moody a number of years ago at the pastor's conference. He was a pastor in California. Uh, his name will come to me after it counts, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Hill. Dr. E.V. Hill, I believe it is, uh, Dr. Hill. And uh, I, I remember hearing him preach, and he preached the most wonderful and awesome sermon. I thought, that is so awesome and wonderful. And then all of a sudden, a number of years later, I go on YouTube, and I hear him preaching <clears throat> that same message, but not at the same venue, not at Moody. It wasn't at the Moody Pastors Conference. And, and he said, I'm going to re-preach this message. And he talked to the pastor. There were a number of pastors there. He said, pastors, every now and then, it's all right to re-preach something. He said, because half the people who were there when they heard you preach don't remember you preaching it. And he said, the other half of those weren't even there to begin with. So in the end, I'm not re-preaching a message, but I am going to highlight this one passage of scripture that I spoke to you in a short message back in April on YouTube, and it's in the book of Job, found in the book of Job, chapter 23. And, of course, if you have ever re read the book of Job, sometimes, you know, I, I got to tell you, in my younger years, I had the opinion of, let me deal with chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then get to the end of the book, and that's how I'll, I'll handle it. If you do that, you're going to miss so many wonderful things, so many good things that Job says that I think is probably more pertinent to the situation because he says it in the middle of his trouble. And he speaks words of faith, even though just a few paragraphs down, of course, it's written more in poetry style and, and it would have been a poetic book. It is a poetic book. And yet, as you... You get down a little bit later, Job is kind of pivoting on that, that idea of, I, I've got faith, but I still don't have a clue what's going on, and I still think God has something against me. Of course, his friends were no help at all because we know they were trying to convince him that there was something desperately wrong with him. Job, what did you, and the whole message that they put forth was, Job, what did you do? What did you do to make God angry? What did you do? God doesn't treat innocent people like this. Now, there is some flawed theology that takes place in the book of Job. And that part, you have to discern and have to pick out. You've got to know the rest of the book. But there is some serious flawed theology. But then there is also some wonderful theology in all of this. This view that God 
is great, that God is awesome, that he's sovereign, this, this idea here. And frankly, God didn't do this to him, but God allowed the devil to kind of have at him because he knew that Job in all of these things was not going to sin and speak against God. There are a number of things that he says out of sheer not knowing what's going on. And God corrects him in the end of the book. We know that. But right here in the middle of his pain, right here in the middle of his friends trying to pick apart his life, which from according to God himself, God says about him in the beginning of the book that there was no one like him in all the land. He says this to the devil when he appeared before him in that heavenly court. He says, there's no one like him. What a testimony to be spoken about. The other context that I want to just kind of throw in here so you have this in the back of your mind is this. There was no law of Moses by that time. Job was a contemporary of Abraham, but in a different part of the world. How he understood God, how he understood the concept of even causing uh, sacrificing on behalf of his children. The Bible says that his children, his ten children, sometimes get together. They'd have these parties. They're all in one house when they all perished, having a party. Job would go out and sacrifice, offer sacrifices to the Lord on behalf of his children, and, and he would say, just in case they somehow have done something wrong. Think about that. What a godly man this was. He interceded for his children. He had great wealth. There was nothing wrong with that. He, he had so much going on, and yet he was a godly man. He was a man who put God first in all of his life. And then the rug gets taken out from under him, and quite more than that. You think about all that Job says in this book. Don't forget this one thing. It's hard enough for a parent to have to bury one child. He had to bury ten at the same time. Think about the pain and the suffering. We can't imagine. You can't imagine. I can't imagine the emotional pain that this man has. I I told you about this young man four years older than I I am. (laughs) Young man. I still like to think of myself that way. Four years older than I am. Killed tragically a few weeks ago in a motorcycle accident. And his mother, she, she loves the Lord. She knows the Lord, but she is in some serious pain. Recently just posted on Facebook again. And, and just not, not knowing, not understanding all that has taken place in pain. One son. You imagine the pain of the mother as well. In all of this, ten kids gone. All his wealth gone. Everything. Overnight, seemingly. Everything is gone. And here he is in the middle of all of this. And Job says these words in Job 23. I'm going to read down through from verse 8 down through to verse 12. The title of this message is he knows the way that I take. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows 
the way that I take, when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. We'll get back to that verse later. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Think about all of that just for a moment. All of the things that he says. His friends are trying to point their finger at him saying, Job, there is clearly blame that you must take in all of your troubles. And Job right here and there before God Almighty who has not spoken to him yet clearly somehow, some way has spoken to him in the past because he said he treasured his words more than the food that he put on the table. Think about that for a moment. Before there was ever any law of Moses, before there was ever any written word of God, there was that spoken word of God that came to Job in that moment. But I want to tell you today the greatest truth that we see in this, this verse, one of the great truths that we see in this passage of Scripture is verse 10, and it is, he knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. I want you to know that tomorrow you don't know what way you're going to take. You've got a plan, right? Most of us have a plan. The plan is, well, we got to go to work. We've got to deal with that. Or maybe the plan is you don't have to go to work. You've got other things you've got to do. But you've got a plan for tomorrow. But we really don't fully know that that plan will, in fact, work out the way that we were hoping or we know that it will. Most of us who have to go to work will say, we're not hoping to have to go to work. We're hoping to have something will happen. We don't have to go to work. But nonetheless, that plan is in place. That way is in front of us. The Bible says here, he knows the way that you take. Now listen, there are three things that I want you to see about this. First of all, and we want to highlight some of these ways that can happen in our lives. First of all, he knows the way I've taken if it's the wrong way. He knows if you've taken the wrong way. The bottom line is this. Those first two verses that I read to you, verses 8 and 9, he says, I went to the east, I went to the west. I tried to find him there, didn't find him. It was the wrong way. I went to the north. I went to the south. Every time I arrived, wasn't there. In fact, I heard that he was at work in those places, but it seems to indicate that by the time I arrived, bad timing. It was the wrong way to take. Maybe he wasn't supposed to take that way, but he took that way. I want to tell you today that according to the word of God, there are times where we take the wrong way, and sometimes we do it to avoid him. And I'll give you the classic example of none other than our lovely prophet Jonah. Jonah was, in fact, that kind of guy. He took the way, the wrong way, in order to avoid what God was wanting him to do. He said, you want me to go to Nineveh? Oh, no, thank you. I've heard about those Ninevites. I've heard what they do. I've heard how evil they are, how rotten they are. And really, I don't, I, according to the book of Jonah, it seems as though God said that to him. Jonah 
didn't really have much of a conversation. He just went to the nearest port and got on a boat headed in the opposite direction. You see, Nineveh was inland. There was no sea. You weren't going to take a sea to go there. You had to go over land. So now Jonah is, is headed in the wrong direction. He is taking the wrong way to get to where God wants him to be. And I want you to see the mercy and the grace of God to Jonah was that he prepared this great fish to swallow him up and spit him back out on the shore. We actually heard a report recently of that actually happening. Somebody was swallowed by a whale recently. You saw that probably in the news. And the whale said, nope, not in here. You can't. Now, I don't know how it happened that he was able to stay there three days, but this guy, apparently, it, it was pretty quick, it seems. And, and somehow, you know, God gave the fish a stomach to hold Jonah there for about three days until Jonah got desperate and said, God, you please get me out of here. Yes, I will go to Nineveh. How many of us have ever done that? We, we go the wrong way. He said, God, you get me out of this, Lord. I will go the way you want me to go. I promise I'll do it. And God has whatever negative situation has found us in to spit us out. And now we're free. And then we sort of waffle a little bit, change our minds just a little bit. We, we sometimes do that. We sometimes take the wrong way to literally avoid God. You know you can't do that, right? You know that you can't. There is literally nowhere that you can go to avoid God. Once heard a friend of mine preaching once. I can't remember when it was, where it was. But he, he was preaching. He said, you know what? Some of you who have been avoiding God in the congregation, there were a number of unsaved people there. He goes, you might as well just give in right now because God's not going to stop until he's got you. <laughs> I got to tell you that we look around and some of you have family members and you're saying, God, when are you going to get them? They are, they are going the wrong way to avoid you. Go get them. And I want to tell you, God does not give up. God didn't give up on Jonah. God didn't give up on him because he, he decided to take the wrong way. God knew which way he took. He knew it was the wrong way. He saw it was the wrong way, and God stepped in and intervened. It could be that you have children that, that somehow they've gone the wrong way, and you think there is literally nothing that I can say anymore or do anymore to get them to turn around and give their lives to the Lord. That's all right. God knows the way that they've taken and God is going to intercept them at the point where he decides. I want to tell you, you believe and you trust and you have faith. He knows the way that you have taken, even if it is the wrong way. Sometimes we take the wrong way to replace him. Some people know that God is speaking to them. And they take the wrong way to replace what they, they think. They think God is just going to kill all their joy and he's gonna, just going to make it so they don't have fun and anything in life that is fun. It has nothing to do with God. It only has to do with sin. So they do that to kind of replace him. The Bible says this, and I don't think I have that scripture in here, so I'll just read it to you. I don't think it's there. It's not. I just realized. The Bible says this in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 
Some people take their own way. They say, you know what, this, this God thing, this church thing, this, you know, Christianity thing, I, I, I'm pushing that aside because I want to, do, I want to take my own way. I want to make my own way. I want to take my own path and go and do my own thing. And they do that, and they say, you know, it's working out pretty well. Look at me. I'm, I got a lot of money. I make a lot of money. I have a nice apartment. I have this. I have all of these things. And they think because of all the externals that they are, quote, unquote, blessed. I want to tell you that is not the blessed life. If your life is spent avoiding God, there's absolutely no blessing whatsoever. You can have all the money in the world. What is a profit a man, the Bible says, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Who cares how much you have? If you don't give God, make God number one, you can't replace him with any of the things that are out in the world. I don't care how fun, quote unquote, it might be. A number of people trying to seek after fun have found themselves into addictions they can't remove themselves from. Think of the number of people that we have had through the years, over the years, that have had that testimony. They started out thinking they could control something, and yet something controlled them. They thought they were the master, but that thing mastered them. And it took, it took the power of God and the grace of God. And we've seen it. We've seen it throughout the history of this, this church. We've seen people be delivered from addictions. We've seen what God is able to do. And I want to tell you, there is nothing that can replace him. But if you're trying to go that way to replace him, know this. He knows the way that you've taken. He knows the way that you've taken. He knows if you've taken the wrong way, the wrong way, in fact, in search of him. Some people don't know to look for God. They don't know to look for a relationship with Jesus Christ. So they go searching in other places, the wrong places. And they're not there to try to replace God. If they knew God, they wouldn't replace him. They're just going after things because there's a hole in their heart. They're trying to fill that hole, and they don't know yet that it belongs to him, that it's a hole that only can be filled by him right at the core of their being, right at the core of their heart. It's got to be filled with Jesus and nobody else. They don't know that yet. That's why it's so vital and important for us as believers to do what Jesus told us to do, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. I'm not talking about preaching a sermon. I'm talking about preaching in the sense of persuading. That's what it means to preach, to persuade. And you and I need to know that that is our mission. That is what Jesus in the Great Commission told us to do as believers, to reach out to those who are lost. Jesus came into the world, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. He leaves the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. We sit here and think, well, God, please, I'm the 99, but I really need you today. It could be that what God needs from you today is to be that one who will go in search of that one to use you in that way. So he knows the way that you've taken, and he knows that if it's the wrong way, he is able to overcome that and overpower that. He knows if you have taken the right way. I'm going to skip over chapter or verse 10 for a second, and let's get down to verses 11 and 12 and see those for a minute. 
Job had taken the right way. Listen to what it says again. It says, my feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. He knows if you have chosen him. Job chose God. Right from the get-go in his life, God was number one in his life. It wasn't his wealth. It wasn't everything that he possessed. It wasn't even his family. Job knew God has to be first, and he has to be number one. The Bible indicates here, it says this. He says, I have followed his footsteps in his steps. I have followed after him. I have gone after him. Whatever Job knew of God had to have been a similar relationship as probably what Abraham had in one sense, that when God spoke to Abraham, it had to be audible, or it had to be something that was clear that it, this was God speaking to him. And in that sense, he says, I've followed after him. God knew that he had taken that right way. He knew that he had followed after him. Listen, for those of you who sit by and you say, you know what, I've, I've chosen God and yet somehow I still have trouble. Guess what? God's not discounting that. God doesn't, he doesn't overlook it. God hasn't forgotten about you. Job is thinking, actually he's thinking that God is just taking out some kind of vengeance for something he can't figure out what he did wrong. That wasn't the case either. But in the end, he's saying, I have followed after his footsteps I've gone after him he said I have kept to his way without turning aside think of that for a minute he's he's essentially this is this is the straight and narrow way that Jesus talks about in the gospels he said and many there are few there are that find it he said I'm one of those few I have kept to his way I haven't gone and done my own thing. I haven't pursued sin. I haven't pursued anything having to do with my flesh and pleasing me. I have followed after him. He knows if you have taken the right way. And then he goes on and he says this about God's word and how God has spoken to him. In verse 12, once again, he says simply this. I haven't departed from the commands of his lips. In whatever way that God has commanded him, and whatever way that God spoke to him and commanded him to live, he says, I didn't turn away and do my own thing. Lord, I stuck to what it is that you have told me to do and how you told me to live. He said, I treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Remember the words of Jesus when the Satan tempted him in the desert after he had been, he had been out there for 40 days, 40 nights, and he had been not eating anything and and the enemy came and he tempted him. He said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is the testimony of Job. He says, I've, I've treasured everything that God has said. Listen, we need to learn how to treasure the word above everything else, above every voice in your life, above every word that comes to you. Go to the word of God. Say, does this line up with what the word says? All the news reporting we've seen over the last year and a half to make you so afraid that you won't want to leave your house ever again. 
Find out what the word has to say. Line it up with the word. Is that how I'm supposed to live? No. I want to tell you, God made us to be free. That's his idea. Not the, the, you know, the framing founding fathers of this nation or any other nation for that matter. Freedom has always been God's idea. It's always been his. So line it up with the word. He said, I've treasured everything that you've said, God. He knows when you've taken the right way. The last thing I want you to see is this. He knows if you can't find your way. He knows the way that you have taken. And the Bible tells us this in verse 10. Let's get back to verse 10. It says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. In the context of the book of Job, this statement of faith was made by Job in faith. Faith in the midst of pain, faith in the midst of suffering, faith in the midst of sorrow. I don't know if Job felt in this moment like an emotion. I'm not sure that he had this feeling inside. I know it. Because a few paragraphs later, he's just back down again. But there was something of faith that arose in his heart in this moment that brings us to this place. Faith, I want to tell you, faith can still rise even when you can't find your way. Job couldn't find his way yet. He didn't know. He didn't know about the conversation in heaven. He didn't know what God was going to say in the end because the end hadn't come yet. He didn't know any of that. No revelation had come in his life in any way, but there was faith that arose above everything that he was dealing with and going through in spite of his sorrow as a father losing all 10 of his children, in spite of his sorrow and his suffering physically as boils had appeared all over his body. I've never had one. I've heard they're incredibly painful. I'm not interested. He has them everywhere. I don't know how this guy even could sit or stand or whatever it was that he did. He's in pain physically. Emotionally, he's suffering. His wife is suffering. He just is, it's, it's beyond what you could even begin to imagine. And yet, somehow, faith arises in his heart in this moment to where he is able to say he knows the way that I take. And that when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Listen, God gives a picture in all of this of the beauty that will come out of that pain that you're suffering today. So many of us say, I don't want to go through that. Well, who does? No one does. No one really wants to go through an excessive amount of pain. But in the end, you and I both know the process as we understand it, not that I I've ever watched it happen, but I have watched it for other metals and other things. That gold has to be refined for it to be pure, for it to be strong. It has to have those impurities taken out. And in order for that to happen, it has to have be placed in that crucible that it will be heated hotter than anything that you can imagine. And that dross, those impurities, they, they, they don't stay in the mix. When that heat is there and that's applied, those things that are not 
part of gold that don't make gold gold come to the surface and then that, that goldsmith is able to just scrape that stuff off the top and put it to the side and then wait and wait and wait a little more and wait a little more and then maybe a little more comes up and those impurities, those things that aren't supposed to be there, they get scraped off again. And put to the side until finally, after a while, there's nothing else left but pure, pure gold. Sometimes the testing and the trouble and the trial and all of the, these things, the way that we have taken, he is aware of it. And when he has tested us, we will come out better than what we went into it. I want to tell you, listen, you think of the three Hebrew boys as they went into the furnace. The Bible says they went in bound and they came out free. Uh, the ropes got burned. They didn't. The things that bound them, gone. But, but they came out better than what they went in. I want, listen, this is, he says this. He says, I'm going to come forth as gold. This is not a picture of survival. This is one of victory. <laughs> he's, he's not at the place of victory yet. He'll get there. We'll see. The end of the book is the place of victory but some, some moment of faith, this spark of faith comes out in his heart and out in his mind. And he says, I'm going to come out of this thing as pure gold. That's a wonderful picture and a testimony of what God is able to do through the suffering, through the bad choices, through the wrong choices, through the things in your life that you've, you've done that you shouldn't have done. All of those things, God is going to work and he is going to move in your life in such a way that he is going to help you to find your way to victory. And that's exactly where he's bringing Job. He's bringing that to this point. I want to close just with this. There are three noteworthy items of faith that Job speaks in this moment or Job understands. Somehow, in the middle of it all, he is able to come to this place. Job believed that God knew his situation. God knows your situation. Job believed that God was actually testing him. Most of us don't sign up for that. God actually had to sign him up. God put him on the list. He tested him. He understood that. He says, when God has tested me, and then he says this, Job believed that he would emerge a better man. That takes faith to believe that. Not knowing anything. We're in Job 23. The end of the book doesn't happen until about chapter 39, 38, 39, 40. Into there, Job's not going to get this picture for quite a while yet. But somewhere there was faith on the inside. Listen to this. Psalm 139. Verses 1 through 3. This is, this is essentially the fact that God knows and understands and is familiar with everything. You've searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Listen to this. You are familiar with all my ways. You know that there is absolutely nothing in your life that escapes God's attention because he knows the way that you take. 
He knows the way that you take. And there may be a time of testing in it all, but you will come out as gold. You will come forth as gold. As he says it, you come out better than when you went into it. We don't sign up to go into it, but we, we certainly end up in tests and trials because God knows that those things are vital to causing some of those things that don't look like him to come to the surface so that he can skim that off the top and say, nah, that, that's better. That looks more like me. That looks more the way that I am and I want to be in your life. He knows the way that you take. Don't ever think for a moment that God, any of this, he is not aware of. He is fully, fully aware of what your next step is, what your next step will be, but he knows the way that you take. Can we stand to our feet right now?